Welcome, guys. Welcome, guys, back to another special edition here of Sebi's Podcast. As you guys know, this is my live podcast here that I do all the time. My opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Geico. Geico Gecko. Remember, for any auto accident, auto insurance, or life insurance, the geckos have already spoken. 15 minutes can save you 15% on your car insurance. Don't forget to go to Geico in your local community. And this is my opening segment here in Sebi's Podcast. Welcome, guys. Welcome, guys. Back again here, folks. Another edition here. Back here at the Central Florida area. Mid-70s today, around 72. Gorgeous morning here in Orlando. And boy, do we have a dandy for you today. We have a lot to talk about. Mid-season storylines in the NFL. As well as Patriots and Bears recap. We've got the Rondo and the Chris Paul beef. But first... Without further ado, we have Pat the Designer. That's what they call him. All the way from the Windy City himself. Out there in Chicago, Illinois on the uh, hotline with us. Pat, what's going on, my man? What's going on, Sebi? How you feeling today, bro? Good, good, good. We're a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate you having me, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome there, Pat. And how, how's, how's the, the Windy City itself? How's there in Chicago? Uh, winter is coming, my dude. It's like Game of Thrones out here. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bleak outlook for the next at least three to four to five months. So, uh, <laughs> But sports-wise, things uh, seem to be on a different little turn. Um, a lot of fans out here are still ready to jump off a cliff with our teams, but I can see the turn coming. So, you know, it's all good. All right, so the tide will be turning pretty soon there, right there for you. So uh, we got to start off and we got to tell the listeners and the viewers here, of course, that um, myself, a Patriots fan, yourself, the Chicago native that you are, of course, a Chicago Bears fan, a diehard Chicago Bears fan. Yeah, well. man. Yeah, man. Through and through. That's been my team since birth, man. Uh, ah, you had to bring it up. You had to start with that, huh? got to start off with the segment obviously that's the trendy topic um last weekend the patriots went into soldier field to take on a a pretty good chicago bears team um who started off really good a promising second year man quarterback in mitchell trubisky uh you that had the six year 141 million dollar man in khalil mack the mac daddy himself and then of course matt Nagy, the innovator the creative mind, the play caller there for uh, the Chicago Bears, who's kind of galvanized and rejuvenated a franchise that has been in disarray as of late. Um, what, what, what's your first take so far in, in Chicago um, in the early stages of this NFL season? Um, you look at the Bears, listen, uh, I look at the Bears as uh, the team that they're supposed to be. Um, and from what I've seen from the Bears, they could very easily be 7-0 and right now. Um, they, they are what their record shows, but um, they've had double-digit leads in every one of the games that they've lost. Um, they've gone in and really have found ways to shoot themselves in the foot. And uh, especially in that Patriots game, the biggest detriment, uh, well, the two biggest detriments that I saw was Mitchell Trubisky, uh, as he has up and down all season, has had issues hitting guys in the hands. Um, you know, the accuracy has really been troublesome. Um, But I think that we've seen definite growth from him. But, yeah, the accuracy has been a problem. And then, uh, 
the injury to Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack messed his ankle up in that Miami Dolphins game. He was basically non-existent. I mean, your boy Tom was able to live in the backfield uh, behind the offensive line that really um, has shown some up and down struggles itself this year. But he really was able to live in that backfield uh, uh, untouched um, due to Khalil Mack's injury. I believe he only had one tackle in the game. Um, But the overall outlook for the season, I think, is good. I mean, Matt Nagy, I believe we have the right coach. This guy can call some plays. Um, He's definitely got Andy Reid's play clock management. Uh, (laughs) That may not be promising moving forward, but... Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's the beginning of something, and I can feel the tide turning in Chicago. Awesome, awesome. And you hit it right on the dot there, uh, Pat, there for you. You know, <clears throat> Mitchell Trubisky coming out of um, North Carolina, I-, I was a little bit baffled by why Chicago traded up three picks to pick up that quarterback at that spot. And he wasn't really like a known commodity in uh, college football world. Uh, there was the Carson Wentz of the world. There was the Deshaun Watsons. Yet you passed up to trade up to pick up this guy. And I said, hey, if they're trading all these top three picks, this man better pan out like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, all of these guys there's trading up for. But you hit it right on the dot there. Um, obviously, the Chicago Bears are talented. Um, they've got some great weapons surrounding young Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Tariq Cohen, who's, who's dynamic and electrifying himself. You've got uh, um, Jordan Howard, of course, um, an all-pro who made the Pro Bowl a couple years ago. And then the addition of Trey Burton, who not a lot of people talk about, who just seems to get open every time on a third down that I flip the screen and watch Chicago games. And then, of course, the speedster in Allen Robinson. Yet, obviously, we all knew that Mitchell Trubisky's Achilles heel was accuracy. We knew that this was an issue day one coming from draft stock. But the upside of him is what Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears franchise ultimately took a gamble on. And, and, and so far, so good. I mean, obviously, they like you, like you mentioned, they had some double-digit leads that they have um, blown. But that happens. That's growth. That comes with maturity. These, this team is still a young and up-and-coming team, and they'll learn from this. And, and then we look flip on the other side of, of, of the of the side of the football. You know, you've got playmakers like a Raekwon Smith, who I think coming in last year's draft was the best defensive prospect in the entire draft board on the first round. And then, of course, you got the Mac Daddy himself. Now, going to the Patriots game, you know what Bill Belichick does best. Bill Belichick will take your number one asset away. Yeah. And ultimately, they did that. Whether that was pitching the tight end to chip uh, Khalil Mack, whether he was injured, whether they, they double-teamed him or triple-teamed him, Bill Belichick will not let your best player beat you. He makes you play left-handed. And, and, and Brady did a good job in, in releasing the ball out quick. So I don't think Chicago will have a problem moving on forward. Ultimately, they're in a tough division with that bad man Aaron Rodgers himself. And then the Vikings are starting to come to their own yeah. on a little three-game win streak. Uh, they've got a big game with uh, the Saints on Sunday night. So, I think Chicago will be alright. Yeah, you you just gotta, uh, you gotta look at what they have coming forward. We've got the Jets and the Bills in the next two games. Um, I take everything as a, a, a you know, learning uh, curve. This team's gotta learn to win. Um, this team has to learn to close out games, which has um, been one of their their bigger problems this season. 
But that is what it is to be a young team. You have to learn to close out games. You have to learn to make that next step. And uh, I believe that that uh, they'll take it. And listen, if at the beginning of the season this year, coming off of John Fox the last three years and Mark Trespin before that, you had told me that the Chicago Bears would be five and three coming down to the second half of the season, I probably would have uh, called you a liar before the Khalil Mack. <laughs> you probably signed up. <laughs> you know, for it. <laughs> I, I would. You know, but. It, it really shows that they, um, um, the, the mental toughness of this Bears team. Um, the number one thing I've seen from Mitchell Trubisky that, that I love the most is that he, like a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft, uh, um, in his draft, don't get rattled by the mistakes they made. Um, a lot of people want to compare him to Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, which we always will, um, no matter what um, the careers end up being. These guys, all three of them have shown that they'll go out, they'll make a mistake, but they don't build on that mistake. We saw Mitch Trubisky in that Patriots game. He realized his arm was off. He realized he was not accurate. He made 81 rushing yards with his feet. He's making plays. Now, do I want to see my quarterback doing that on a weekly basis? No. Then you become the Blake Bortles of the world. But I do want to see him... um, um, realizing what he has and what he doesn't have. And if he doesn't feel comfortable, listen, don't force something. That is the number one issue we see with so many quarterbacks. You can't force it. You have to take what you have and 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 make a play out of it. And I think Mitchell has the mental toughness to at least do that. Mitchell Trubisky does all right. Uh, Sebi's podcast here. Uh, Pat, the designer from Chicago, on there with us. And so, Pat, uh, obviously throughout this uh, last week in the NBA here, um, we saw the Lakers in their home opener with LeBron James' home opener coming to Staples Center, and 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 that was a big thing. But the storyline, the headlines that took over the game was the fight between Chris Paul <laughs> and Rajon Rondo. Now, this is a feud that, uh, that has been going on for over a decade now since Chris Paul was in the New Orleans Hornets and uh, Rajon Rondo with, and it's, I think is rookie season or second season as the Celtics point guard. They just haven't liked each other. Um, it's, let's make a listen to what uh, our colleague Paul Pierce, the great Paul Pierce, has to say about that feud. Chris Paul there, uh, Paul Pierce there, um, talking about the Rondo and the uh, Rajon Rondo beef there. And Pat, what's your initial thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's it's like he said. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't know that the beef was this intense. Like I didn't know that it was a strong dislike. Um, but a lot of players have voiced this um, that that these two have always been going at it, and we've seen them go at it on the court. But I didn't think, I thought that was just, you know, like competition in the heat of the moment. You don't like me, I don't like you because we on different teams. Um, I didn't know it was like actually a personal beef, but we saw a lot of guys come out this week. And listen, uh, uh, the comments that that Paul Pierce made, um, 
about how they could have fought earlier. Listen, we've seen some of the matchups that these guys have, especially uh, Boston and Clippers. Uh, when when Rondo was a rookie, I remember there was a game where I, I, I honestly vividly remember Chris Paul trying to punk Rondo and Rondo not backing down. And Chris Paul just looking like, who is this kid? Like, why does he think he's so good? I, I was so team Rondo in this fight until I saw the spit <laughs> video, bro. Um, now, this is my only thing about it. I've worn a mouthpiece. Um, I, I think we've all played sports at some point. You have a mouthpiece in. It is very hard to intentionally spit on somebody and not spit out your mouthpiece. Absolutely. Like, it, no it, it, it's, uh, it's almost impossible to spit without losing your mouthpiece. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But Rondo is slick. So I wouldn't put it past him. He might know a trick or something. You know, like Rondo <laughs> is very you. slick. So he might know a way to do it. So I don't, I don't, I'm really 50. I'm really torn on it. Um, I I gotta say though, Brandon Ingram is my spirit animal. Um, everybody talking about Rondo and Chris Paul. Listen, if one of my homies is getting jumped, oh best believe I'm coming through with the sidearm, the two-piece, no and I'm delivering the biscuit for you. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, uh, un undoubtedly, and, and and that 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 right there is, is uncalled for. I don't care um, who you are, you know, you just don't spit on somebody. Right. That that's that's just uncalled right. for. Um, that's unacceptable. You know, that's that's plain out despicable behavior right there. Right. But as in terms of you know a feud going down, obviously I'm a peacemaker. But if if you hit one of my brothers and you're hitting uh, somebody that is of care for me, that I'm in their well being. You know, I just got to step in. Right. I might just have to give you a combo. Right. So, yeah. And, and I think that's where um, Brandon Ingram came in and then tried to defend his teammate. Uh, we're talking about Rajon Rondo for the Los Angeles Lakers there. Um, their starting point guard there. Now, as in terms of the sanctions, the suspensions that the NBA took forth to handle this, you know, a, a lot of people have seen that this is quite, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, hey, like, you guys need to count your blessings. Like, this is a quite sweet sanction. Four games, three games, and two games. And, and other colleagues have said that they should at least get double-digit suspension games. So what's your take on that? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm definitely on board with the uh, double-digit suspension games. Um, and this is the reason I say that. We come from a NBA where um, fighting was the norm. You know, like, like I grew up watching an NBA where, you know, Kobe got into it and got the scrapping. You know, like Jordan and, and, and Reggie Miller would get the scrapping. Shaq and Charles Barkley would get the scrapping. So that is the norm. And guys wouldn't get suspended. They get suspensions like this. Now, um, I believe there were fines that came down the pipeline, too. And I think the fines were pretty healthy, hefty. Um, but at that same time, if I'm only missing, uh, I believe uh, Brandon Ingram got four games, I believe. Rondo got three and Chris Paul got two. That's good. That's correct. What, what is deterring someone else from getting into it this year? Like, like another person is going to look at that and be like, now, of course, it's based off your previous record. Um, um, if Boogie Cousins does it, he's probably suspended for the rest of the season. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's right. If, that's if, right. If, 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 if certain guys do it, there's going to be heavier, heavier. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Penalties. Guys levy. have uh, images and certain guys have reputations like like, you know, if 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 great example if Bucky Cousins said this he'd probably get uh, uh, more games than, than 25 at least <laughs> but in that sense what you're trying to say is of course if 
other players in the league, like for instance, uh, a great example is Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart don't like each other. There's a little hate yeah. uh, feud right there. And so if they were to get in some type of scuffle and altercation and, and they see, oh, we're just going to get at, at max five game suspension. Right. You know, these athletes are kind of looking at it like, okay, well, this may just be, you know, you know, like, hey, this may just be like something I, I just got to do because I just got to take it. Like five games ain't going to hurt. Right, right. And and we see, um, I don't think that it's a lot of these guys' mindset coming in. A lot of this is competition. A lot of this is um, um, like like WWE. You John back and forth, you know, like Dame Lillard gets into it with almost any point guard he goes up against. Um, uh, Marcus Smart gets into it with everybody. A lot of it is just, I'm going to prove I'm tougher than you on the court most of these guys don't take it off the court you know when Marcus Smart and J.R. Smith got into it J.R. probably was the one that was like I'm waiting in the locker room for you Marcus like hey it's whatever dog and walked the other way you know so like most of this is just John back and forth they're selling wolf tickets but nobody's biting you know what I'm saying right and it's it's just I don't know I think the the suspensions are way too lenient but at the same time, I don't think fighting is going to become as big a problem as it was in the NBA. But like we said, it's not a deterrent. If I'm only going to get five games and I feel like I need to defend my teammate or I need to, you know, step in and handle my business, five games is nothing to me. You're right there. You hit it right on the dot there. Hey, listeners, we're here on Sebi's podcast. Pat, the designer, all the way from Chicago, Illinois, from the Windy City Boost podcast himself on the hotline with us. And, and another storyline, another narrative in the NBA thus far in the first uh, couple weeks here in the early season is a lot of scoring. A lot of scoring in the NBA, especially in the Wild Wild West. Now, you know, the Wild West is universally recognized as the hard conference, the tough conference. Every night there's a point guard battle, whether it's Chris Paul and Mike Conley or Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, or whether it's Chris Paul going, you know, going head up with, um, you know, any other top point guards out there in the Western Conference. And there has just been a high scoring affair in the NBA this season. Max Kellerman, one of our colleagues from ESPN on the first take, had a take on this. Let's take a listen. I'm not surprised. The scoring so far this year has been the scoring, guys. Like, we talk about it in the NFL all the time. NFL, oh my God, the scoring. And look how popular it is, right? Look at scoring in the NBA. Every time you turn around, it's 140 to 139. The scoring is crazy, which bodes well to the popularity of the sport because people like off that we all decried. The but it's not bad defense. Well, no, it's it's changing defense. It's what you can get away with defensively. It's the efficiency of the offensive philosophy and execution. If we have to change what we think of as good defense in the NFL and the NBA, by the way, the Super Bowl last year I said was decided the first time either team made a defensive play. They won the Super Bowl, right? Um, this is an, a crazy, crazy scoring lead. Expect uh, expect all the records to fall, the double, the triple doubles, and all that stuff. All that stuff is falling. Remember, Max Kellerman there on first take there for you. And, and he hit it right on the dot. Us as consumers, us as millennials, in our modern day age here, in, uh, in, in, in this life that we live, we all love offense. 
you know, we all love the juggernaut, the, you know, the Dantonis, 06, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion type offenses. Uh, we like the, the Golden State run up and down, shoot, gun threes, even the Dantonis of the Harden and CP3s of the Rockets now. And, 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 and But this season, we have just seen, and, and we have just seen, like you said, astronomical numbers in these up first couple weeks in the NBA. I, I think that the Pelicans scored 149 a couple weeks ago. Why is the NBA scoring so much this season? Well, I think you got a couple of reasons. Um, first off, um, the number one thing is they've made Harden zero-step lead um, for the whole NBA. Um, that is almost impossible to guard. I'm sorry. Calling it a zero step doesn't not make it a third step. Like, <laughs> you, you can't tell me. I saw him take three steps. You can't tell me that step didn't exist. Um, but that makes it almost impossible for NBA defenders to guard these elite um, um, offensive players. You know what I'm saying? Um, at the same time, we have a lot of... Um, a lot more. I think the shot clock rule itself, um, um, when you get an offensive rebound, you got 14 seconds now instead of a brand new 24. It's causing a lot more shots to get put up. It's causing a lot more shots to go up. And listen, these are elite players. And everybody in the NBA has caught up to what the Golden State Warriors are doing. Um, maybe not at their level, but, you know, teams always adjust. When it was when it was Shaq and Kobe, teams realized, yo, we got to have a dominant big man in the middle and somebody to stand in front of Kobe. We got to adjust. Um, um, when it was Jordan and Pippen, people came up with the Jordan rules. We got to hit these guys. We got to make sure we're tougher than them. Um, um, when, when it was LeBron in Miami, people realized, oh, we got to have our big three. You know, so the NBA always makes this move. Golden State has gone out and got five superstars that all shoot the three that all run up and down the court and that are going to put up at least 85 to 90 shots a game. You know what and I'm saying? And you hit it right on the dot. You hit it right on the dot there. It's a copycat league. Copycat league. Obviously, the league has transitioned from, like you said, those eras to spacing, three-point shooting. Now the three-pointer is more valuable than just a, a mid-range jump shot. Yes. So you, you, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. And we we look at we look at these guys uh, 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 this season and um, – I think the I, I've seen a lot of people saying defense is at all time at its all time worst. I think these guys are still elite defenders. Um, I think everyone nobody's taking mid range jump shots. That's really the difference. And when you've got guys that are elite shooters shooting all the time, you're gonna score more. It's like at the rec league when you got the one dude that can never miss. You know, it, that's kind of what it looks like to me. But I do think the NBA will have to even things out. I think it's like a kid that's eating Oreos. You can't eat two packs of them all at once. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much. We're getting too much offense now. Right, right. And I will concede as well because I do kind of think that this may be a detriment to the NBA. And here's why. Here's why. Myself, as a ball player. When I play pickup ball or whether I play in organized um, basketball leagues, whether that's in high school and, or in a meals in college, my calling card was always defense, mm -hmm. defense and shooting. So, you know, I was spacing the floor. I was shooting. If you bit, I'd take it to the hole and, and you know, and go up strong. But on the opposite side of the basketball, I would pride myself on defense. Now, there's a lot of teams in the NBA that still plays defense. The Utah Jazz, led by a great coach in um, Quinn Snyder himself. 
prides themselves on defense. Right. Brad right. Stevens, excellent coach. Boston, probably schematically one through five, one of the top rated defenses in the NBA. Uh, and, and along with Memphis as well, you know, Gasol and Kami. So there are some teams that still are old school that plays defense. But I will say this. With all of these 149, 139 games, it's just going to be, it's going to be fun for us as consumers watching these games. But there's going to be times where it's just like, are you serious? Yeah. You just let it wide open. The uh, the the river's just open. You let them right past you. And you just let them have that basket. And we're going to start to see athletes and players not even give remotely an effort to play on defense. And that's what concerns me about all of these high scoring games. Yes, we like the shootouts. Yes, we like pizzazz. Yes, we like fireworks. But there comes a time where you need to stop in a possession and you got to at least play a lick of defense. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Um, I, uh, coming from a Bulls fan who has watched the Bulls fall short uh, four times this season. Uh, oh, no, three times, three times. They won their last game. But, um, <laughs> you know, we come from teams that literally scored 98 points and would hold you to 86. You know what I'm saying? Um, and now the Bulls are scoring 130 points. Listen, if you had told me the Bulls were scoring 130, 120 every night, Zach Levine's going off for 30 points a game every night, that we'd be losing, I wouldn't, I, there'd been no way I'd have believed you. Um, but we look at the season this year, that's exactly what's happened. The Bulls have scored 129, 131. Uh, I think they lost their first game like 115, but they scored 115. These are, are where it starts to become too much, like you said. Um, if, if you're scoring that much, you should be winning. And that's where I give Golden State credit. Golden State will score 130, but at the same time, there's games where they lock in and they hold the other team to 95. You know what I'm that's saying? Right. Like, you have to be that kind of team to win in this league. And I think that's what's going to separate Golden State this season. Um, the fact that they will lock in on defense. And when Boogie Cousins get there defensively, oh, 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 oh it's over. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, with Golden State, I always say that they're tired. They're just bored. Yes. You know, they, they're a team. They're a team come the second half, come March and April, when they get locked in and they round into form. And that's when they really start going in Mamba mentality and Kobe mentality and say, hey, we need to start preparing for the postseason. They're a postseason team. Yes. Regular season, they know they're just too good. They know they're just too good. They, they know that the league is just, is they are paramount in, in light years above the NBA as a whole and they they see their opponents and they see that hey like we're just you guys are just in there. we're just far more superior than you guys you guys are just less inferior and that's why some games where golden state may not cover or there might be games where there's lapses or they let teams hang around or sometimes they might just lose so golden state they're gonna be all right there's just one of those type of, of teams that that just is bored and just waiting for the postseason 100 percent. when you go to the finals that many times um, um, when you go deep in the playoffs that many times, I mean, I, I remember uh, uh, Jordan talking about it with the Bulls. Um, he said it, it becomes a struggle to get yourself up for the regular season. Um, it's one of those that you're really um, um, just trying to wake up every day and be motivated to play ball. But at the same time, you know you're going to win. So it's just like, whatever, you know. And, and we're seeing what Golden State is doing. I've seen a couple games just this season where um, they will 
let teams hang around. You're kind of like, hey, this might be a good game. This could be competitive right here. And then all of a sudden you see them go off for, for 15 points in, in a one-minute span. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really shows how they're playing this out. They're just trying to make the season interesting for themselves. Interesting. All right, there. This is uh, Sebi's podcast here. Pat the designer all the way from the Windy City Breeze in Chicago on the hotline with us. And what's your your midseason storyline thus far in the NFL in the halfway mark? We're up to week nine in the NFL. There's only one un- unbeaten team left. And we've had a lot of, you know, parody, a lot of mayhem, and a lot of craziness thus far in the NFL. What's your take on that? Uh, I think my biggest midseason take is that we have not seen regression from Patrick Mahomes. Um, I was not on the Pat Mahomes train coming in. I, I watched this game and I was just like, listen, this kid does not throw the ball away. He does not make good decisions with the football. Um, and really, he, he puts it in defenders' hands a lot of times. And so I was waiting for that regression. And I just knew the Brady-Belichick game was going to be that regression. But we haven't seen that. And I think that is the most astounding thing um, um, this season. A lot of the storylines about, um, you know, Tom Brady still being great. um, We expect Tom Brady to be great. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's a lot of things I expected. We've come to that point. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you don't think he's the GOAT, you hate I'm sorry. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. So it's something that I expected 110%. Um, This one with Pat Mahomes was totally unexpected. I expected some regression at this point. I believe they're six and one now, right? And uh, yeah, six and one now. And so I expected total regression at this point. And these guys have really, uh, Pat Mahomes has really come out and shown that he is here in this league to stay. Right, right, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. You, you took you took one of my segments here. You took one of my uh, points that I was gonna make there, but you hit it right on the dot. Obviously, you know when, when we look back in the early 2000s, you look at Peyton Manning, uh, uh, Steve McNair to a certain extent. You look at Tom Brady, guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Breeze, uh, Eli Manning, uh, Brett Favre. All of these guys were what under center, methodical. West Coast offense, let's get the ball out quick, high percentage, high completion percentage type passing quarterbacks. Well, in our new modern age, which we are living in as millennials, it's been different. And then I'll go ahead and I think it perhaps started off with Michael Vick and Donovan McNabb. You've got the unconventional type quarterbacks. You've got the shotgun uh, read option type quarterbacks that kind of led to uh, the development of the Russell Wilsons, the Andrew Lux, the Robin Griffins of the third to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then you came up and had the Kaepernick's. And then, of course, now with Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield and, like you say, Patrick Mahomes, these kind of, you know, dynamic uh, that can beat you inside the pocket, outside as, as well as outside of the pocket, that now offensive coordinators and, and, and offensive minds like coaches had to kind of you know, tailor their uh, game plan towards. And you're seeing that with Andy Reid. Andy Reid, if he's not a top three coach in the NFL, I don't know what he is. You know, he did it with uh, Donovan McNabb in Philly. He did it with Michael Vick in Philly. Now he's doing it with the Chiefs out there in Arrowhead. And, and, And Patrick Mahomes has just been 
dynamite. And and, and I'm kind of torn by this. You got to help me out here, Pat. You got to help me out on this. My, my biggest storyline, I will tell you, I don't know who's the NFL MVP thus far through eight weeks. I'm torn between Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams, the unbeaten Los Angeles Rams, and Patrick Mahomes. Let me I'm, tell you, I'm, I'm torn. Let me tell you, there's no reason to be torn. Pat Mahomes has been great. Pat Mahomes has been astounding. But Todd Gurley is a monster. This man, Absolutely. this man, listen, I, I believed that of this generation, Beast Mode and AP were the two best backs that we were going to see um, um, in this time frame of, of the 2010s. Up. I believe that Beast Mode and, and AP were t- the two greatest we were ever going to see. And then Todd Gurley put on a football jersey. And oh my God, he is the most unstoppable back. He will be remembered with the Marshall Folks, the, the Walter Paytons, the Barry Sanders. He is that caliber of running back. The Adrian Petersons. Don't, don't let me take anything away from AP and Beast Mode, but this guy here has proven that he can open everything up for his team. If he has one good run, it instantly puts defenses on their heels. Um, Absolutely, because they Absolutely. know what's coming, and he can get out there in in that uh, and, and play that receiver position, that slot receiver position. He can get out there in the flat. He can he can run it right up the middle. He can run it to what can't he do? I want to see him on defense one drive. I just want to see him play safety one play. <laughs> I think he can do everything. Put him in a quarterback. He might have a passing touchdown actually. <laughs> yeah, he he might have, and and you hit it right on the dot there, Pat. It, he's special. He's just a rare breed that. He's never seen. And and I think to myself, okay, well, what does he not have? Because he's silky smooth and he's deceptively quick like a Barry Sanders. Okay? And then after that, you know, you can line him out outside in the X. You can line him out, out as a receiver um, in the slot. And you can line him out as a running back like you could with Lindanian Tomlinson of the Chargers. Yeah. And then he's a great pass blocker like AP. And then he can run through the hole like AP. And then after that, he, he's one of those guys where you, you you have to be on your heels and pay attention to him because he can take he, he could he's a game changer. He's a break, he's a game changer because he can yeah. take 180 yards. And then after that, of course, you know, he's a leader. And and we've not seen anything like Todd Gurley. I mean, you could put him out wide, you could put him in the X, you could put him out in, in the backfield. He yeah. can run, he can block. I mean, there has just not been anybody that dynamic, and probably in, 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 in for a very long time. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to see your boy Walter Payton. I, I didn't get a chance to see <laughs> a, a, a lot of the um, OJ Simpsons other than clips in USC and in and, and, and other words. But I mean, my goodness, the, the thing that Todd Gurley is doing right now is just astounding. And I think he's walking himself in a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, and and there's there's been guys that have uh, been this good before. AP AP in his prime was was this kind of guy. Oh, um, 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 you know, there's there's guys that have done this before. It's just that we're seeing it now. And so, and listen, let's be honest. Le'Veon Bell is that dude too. Um, he just hasn't played this season, so we're consuming Todd Gurley. But these two guys alone are trying to bring back the running back position because, in my in my opinion, the running back position is normally a dime a dozen. Um, I would rather build my offensive lineup to be strong than 
to go draft a running back in the first round. Look at what uh, 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 the regression Ezekiel Elliott has had this season um, because the offensive line hasn't been as dominant as it was last season. You know what I'm saying? So an offensive line makes a huge difference. But these guys, uh, uh, the Le'Veon Bells, the 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 Todd Gurley's, I they make you almost want to they make me almost want to change my opinion on that because of their dominance. Right, right, right. A lot of valid points there that you hit. And let us know what you think, viewers. Let us know what you think, all listeners here on Sebi's podcast. And for all of the things that we said today, let us know what you think. Make sure you leave a comment, questions in the questions box below. And wherever you're listening, when you guys already know the slogan, whether you're listening on air or online, Sebi's podcast is wherever you go. Sebi as your host, alongside the guest star, Pat, the designer all the way from the Winnie City Breeze podcast in Chicago. And we're both saying here so long for this point. And we'll see you on the next time here in Sebi's podcast.